Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend. I'm so happy that you're here on this journey with me in this conversation to expand your conscious awareness, to expand the possibility of what you see for your life. For the last almost 50 years, and I started relatively young, but for the last 50 years, I've been consumed with the idea of what does it take for a human being to fulfill on their potential? What is the ceiling to your potential? It was when I was 13, when I came across the quote, the ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say, I can't. Reading that quote, I realized in an instant the truth of it, that I was responsible for my potential, for realizing my potential. I was responsible for my growth and everything in my life. I got it. And ever since I've been in this pursuit, in this obsession of fulfilling on my potential, and sometimes I've taken detours and many times I've taken the direct route. But while the majority of my journey has been a selfish endeavor, you see, I wanted to fulfill on my life to achieve a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and money and success, you know, the the whole ball of wags. The undercurrent that was there, though, was that I knew that I was going to be a teacher. And I don't know exactly, well, I do know. I just recently had a, a conversation about this with my wife. I was recounting of, you know, at 60 plus years that I've had all these experiences, some minor, insignificant, yet profound situations and experiences that have taught me, revealed to me aspects about life, aspects about being human. To me, it's all about the adventure of being human, of maximizing the human experience. Would you want to be anything else other than a human being? My God, what the adventure, the epic adventure, and that's the epic adventure that I speak of at the end of every episode, is this adventure of maximizing and fulfilling on our potential, of living the best life possible, of realizing that we are the creator of our reality. We are the creator of our life. So many things happened at that age of 13, so many insights and revelatory experiences Not only did I find that quote, but I saw this movie on television. It was To Sir With Love. It starred Sidney Poitier as a teacher in an inner-city London school. And the story revolved around him teaching his students, who had basically given up. They were looking at their circumstances and realizing that they didn't have many prospects. And he, as a teacher, came in and said, I see something in you. I see something amazing within you. You don't yet see it. But if you stick with me, if you continue in this conversation, if you do some of the work, show up, I will reveal to you just how powerful you really are. Now, he didn't say that in so many words, but that's what I got from it. I got the the sheer potential and the power of a teacher to be a mirror for others. And it was that movie 
that inspired me to want to be a teacher, a way shower, a pathfinder. In reflection over my past, over the past 60 plus years, I'm very present to the knowing that every experience, and I have to say every experience, has contributed to my path as a teacher, as a way shower, as, you know, a contribution to the world. And that's my ultimate goal, my ultimate dream, my mission, is to leave a legacy. Now, when I say that, I don't need a monument, I don't need a plaque. I want to make a difference that influences the ripples across time. And I don't need my name mentioned after I die. Because as I move forward in time, I'm completely understanding of the fact that I stand on the shoulders of giants, teachers and wayshores and explorers. They have gone before me. They also were immersed in the human adventure. After reading that quote, the ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say you can't. It was in the, the book, The Ultimate Athlete by George Leonard. I began investigating what does it mean to fulfill on our attention? And in that question, I began attracting books and ideas. One of the first books I read was Jonathan Livingston Seagull by Richard Bach. And that was the story of the consummate student, someone that was set apart or had pulled themselves out of the flock, the general population, and began an investigation of what does it mean to fulfill on their potential, and then the levels and layers of discovery and development. And that book taught me that whatever you think you can, you can achieve if you believe it and you focus your energies on it. And then there were other books that I don't even remember the topics or the, the title of the book, but I remember snippets of it. Like the world is a mirror of your mind. That resonated with me on a deep level. Again, this was all at that age of 13, 14 years old. That also was the time when I got immersed in the idea of hypnosis, the phenomena of hypnosis. Of course, I was intrigued with it from the, the standpoint of how do I attract girls? <laughs> that, that was at the forefront. But, but also was the concept that I could program my mind to maximize my potential to become something other than what I saw myself as. And like many of you, I, at that time especially, I lived in the idea that I was not enough, that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't attractive enough, I wasn't you know intelligent enough. Yet when I encountered that quote, the, your ceiling to your potentials determined by the moment you say, I can't, when I looked in the mirror, I saw all this potential. I figured I was starting way down at the bottom. And just the possibility of my life excited me. And as part of that quest, about that time, I began lifting weights, lifting weights in my room. Now, I have to admit, bodybuilding, lifting weights was not in the mainstream as it is today. But that idea, that quest was introduced to me. Happenstance, the universe conspired by my neighbors, the Keys, Larry, Bill, Tom, Jeff Key. They had a gym. They had Bill had created a gym in the upstairs room weights and weight machines. And that was the time of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Franco Columbu and Frank Zane. 
but it was those early days of pursuing a, a healthier, more or more masculine body that I adopted the, the concepts of adaptation and the training effect and uh, incremental improvement. Because you just don't go into the gym, lift a few weights, and see an immediate result. No, you need a certain amount of effective training over time to begin seeing a result. But in addition to the, the weightlifting, I was also beginning my, my pursuit of sports about that time, predominantly basketball. I just seemed to fall in love with basketball. But I have to tell you, I wasn't very good. In fact, when in the seventh, eighth, you know, every time I, I joined the team or went out for the team, I was one of the last selected I ended up sitting the bench the majority of the season, very often only getting in when the fate of the game was already determined. And, you know, you, the, the coach clears the bench and sends in the scrubs, the second, the benchers, uh, in at the last moment, the last minute. And that, that was the majority of my gameplay while I was in school. But throughout that, that process, I was continually going to my coach asking, how can I be better? How can I do better? What, what can I do to increase my ability? And often it was like, well, practice. But uh, I was inspired a lot by Denny Hopkins, who was our basketball coach for the, you know, my coach, my teacher for the predominant period during that time. There was a different coach when I was on varsity. But my point is that there was a there was a process, there was an experience in becoming better, wanting to improve, improve my performance. And I think if I had any natural ability, if I was better or played more when I was in, you know, in high school, I probably would not have developed the, the mindset, the, the skill set that I have now as a coach and a teacher. After high school in my 20s, Rather than work towards buying a house and getting the perfect car and other material things, I invested in books. I invested in courses. One of the first uh, classes or workshops that I invested in was when I was 18. I took a self-hypnosis workshop. It cost me 60 bucks, which was more than a week's pay at the time. And in some respects, it baffles me why I actually took that workshop because I would had already been practicing self-hypnosis for the previous five years. And I already had a certain skill set. But again, when you're only doing it yourself, you don't compare yourself to the marketplace or externally, you don't necessarily have a benchmark for how well you're doing. And I can remember thinking to myself after that workshop, we were all kind of mingling out in the foyer on how I didn't really learn that much, yet it made me present to how much I did know. And I overheard another participant, an older guy, you know, I was 18, he must have been in his 30s, you know, really old, but uh, he was talking to the instructor, he says, this isn't much different than my experience of meditation, and I thought, how interesting he was discounting the class, discounting what he learned. He wasn't looking for how he could utilize the information. He was focusing on the, the, the idea that he already knew this stuff, but he was just calling it something else. And the other thing that I remember taking away from that 
is that the instructor, he had his own hypnosis practice at the time, had an office, and that's where I first met him. But in looking at how he presented it, it, the entire workshop was a series of pre-recorded inductions, pre-recorded hypnotic conversations. Now, it shows my age, but the, the tape recorder was a reel-to-reel magnetic tape. And the, the one thing that I noticed when I was visiting him in his office is that he had this tick, this nervous tick in his face. He just kept doing something with his, his mouth. And perhaps that's why he got involved with self-hypnosis to begin with. And, but I have to admit that I, I thought to myself, he must not be utilizing hypnosis the way I'm told it's possible, because otherwise he wouldn't have the tick. But then, you know, I have no idea where he started out, how bad it was to begin with. But then I began really focusing after that workshop on working on myself, healing aspects of myself, changing my body image, changing all the different, my my self-perception, my self-concept about who I was, installing new beliefs. Realizing at the time that every time I've upgraded my self-concept, more was possible. I attracted more things into my life, more circumstances into my life. I had the distinct feeling that I was living a blessed life because it just seemed like I attracted blessing after blessing after blessing. Now, as I say that, I remember, though, I had borrowed a book from my grandmother called Spells, Prayers, and Incantations, which was basically a book about affirmations. And it was from that book that I created an affirmation for myself because I was up for a a job and I wanted to, you know, be the attractor. I wanted to, uh, they didn't call it law of attraction then, but it was completely law of attraction. My affirmation was this, I am success incarnate. I am like an eagle perched high, observing the landscape, keen on discovering and attracting opportunity. Within my body, I emanate the positive power and the positive energy. I am success incarnate. Now, when I said it, I was by myself at the house, my parents' house. I can remember standing in the living room, and I would say that over and over and over again. And I didn't just say it like I was reading it. It's like, I am success incarnate. I'm like an eagle surveying the landscape, keen on discovering and attracting opportunity. Within my body, I emanate the positive power and the positive energy, and I would make my fist and feel it in my body and tense my muscles. I could, like, radiate this positive energy. I am success incarnate. I am success in the flesh. I repeated that over and over and over again for about 30 minutes. But I was immersed, mind, body, and spirit, in that incantation, in that affirmation. And then I stopped doing it. I didn't do it anymore after that. Maybe once in a while, because I had written it down. I crafted it myself. And as I'm telling you, it's from memory. But in doing so, I repeated it until I could feel it, literally feel it emanating from my body. The positive power and the positive energy was radiating from my body. But then I stopped saying it. It didn't feel like I had to repeat it because it was part of me. 
And I can look back and say, as a result of that, that affirmation, I attracted the work of Dr. Robert Schuller, who in possibility thinking, and Zig Ziglar. And what I got from Zig was feeding your attitude on a daily basis. So every morning, every day, I would feed my attitude. I would read stories of inspiration for 30 to 60 minutes every morning, feeding my attitude, feeling, you know, feeding my mind, programming my mind for possibility, for achievement, reading the stories of other people that have, you know, faced difficulties and overcome it and created something amazing for their life. But uh, as I'm telling you all this, I realize I need to take a sidebar for a moment and just say, you know, there are so many more books, so many more experiences, relationships, situations that I was able to glean a lesson from. And that was something I was told early on that one of my superpowers was that I can see the lesson in every experience of life. Every relationship, every setback, there is a lesson, there's an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to have a new perspective. And from that, I think that the true blessing is that I've been able to learn from other people's mistakes. Like, I didn't have to make all the mistakes myself. I was able to see what other people were creating and identify the beliefs, the values, the the behaviors that were actually getting them the results that uh, they didn't want. And to quote Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid, the best way to avoid a punch is to not be there. But back to my point. There are so many books, so many experiences that it would be somewhat boring for me to recount all of them because many of them are personal. And as I recount all this, I have to tell you, I didn't know I was going to do all this or talk about this in this podcast. I thought I was going to talk about something else, but I just followed the flow of the energy. And this is where you you live your life according to inner signals, be inner directed and There's something of value here. And I think that the lesson is, is that all of us are guided to a large degree. Now, in my path, I know there have been many decision points, many choice points that I've consciously made to move in a new direction, move on a new path. But that guidance was always there. I was never, ever alone. Even in the times that I thought I was, that nobody understood me. No one got my thinking. No one I really did think I was all alone, and I spent many years thinking that I was. Even when I was in a relationship, I didn't, and that comes from that experience when I was eight years old that I've recounted in the past, I made that decision that people just wouldn't understand me. And so that was my experience, and it was some healer that told me that I have guidance all around me. All I have to do is tap into it. That was also at the time when my intuition really blossomed, my psychic ability really blossomed. And I became present to and began looking for the signs of the guidance that was all around me. But what really leveled up this experience was me trusting that I had guidance, relying on the guidance, expecting I had guidance, acting as if guidance was all around me. There were 10,000 angels at my disposal. And my my reason to point that out to you is that everything in your life has brought you to this moment in time, brought you to this conversation, whether you've been a long-time listener of the podcast or you just stumbled upon this episode. 
You're here by divine appointment. You've been led here. You have some burning question, some question that you've been, it's been a theme in your life, a question that has guided you for the majority of your life. And some of that is, how do I become the best I can be? How do I, you know, grow? And some of you have just woken up, woken up to the possibility that was within you. And like I said before, I stand on the shoulders of giants. And if in some small way, I can be a guide point, a way shore, a torchbearer that can lead you down a path toward your own discovery for yourself. That's a firm belief that I have that each and every one of you is on the cutting edge of your own discoveries. And I've been a coach, a healer, a teacher formally for the last 32 years, 33 years, when, since I was 28. It was when I was first certified as a formal hypnotist and a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. And ever since, I've been intrigued about other people, other people's stories. What are they going through? What, how, do they, how does their mind work? And I've worked with people you know, from trailer parks and seemingly insignificant lives to mansions and executives and entrepreneurs, people that are really up to big things. But to me, there's no real difference because each of us are immersed in the human experience. Each of us is on the cutting edge of our own discoveries. And the lessons from someone that is trying to pull themselves up out of the the seemingly gutter of life is no different than the millionaire looking to improve their performance and their business. One is not better than the other. No journey is better than the other. And this comes to a point where it came up in recent conversation of people that will compare themselves to other people, like they should be somewhere else doing something else. Like I said earlier, I was not achieving, I was not accomplishing a lot in the material sense. I wasn't having, I didn't have the nice car, the real good car, or a house. I rented a lot, I moved from place to place, but I was investing in books, tapes, programs, courses, workshops. I was building my skill set. I was on a different path. You see, each and every one of you is on your own path. Your life is incomparable to anybody else's life. They don't have your mind. They don't have your set of skills. They don't have your mindset, your set of experiences, or your references, your internal references. If there's one thing I've discovered over the years, it's not how good you are. It's how good do you want to be? Let me say that again. It is not how good you are. It is how good do you want to be? So before I go, before I end this conversation today, I have one more story, one more realization that happened upon me when I was 12 years old. I can remember distinctly sitting on the front porch. Now, I grew up in a small town south of Flint, Michigan, And it was so small at the time, there was probably less than a thousand people in the city. City. It was actually considered a village at the time. We didn't quite yet have the distinction of being a city. But here I was sitting on the front porch, and we lived on the main drag in town. And even so, a car would drive by maybe every five to ten minutes. One car. Today, they go by, you know, just a stream of cars in front of my parents' house. But here I was on the front porch, on the front steps, contemplating the question, 
will I ever leave this town? You see, everyone I knew at the time had grown up there, lived there as an adult, and some of them died there as an adult. Many of the adult men that I knew had left, had went off and fought in World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, only to come back to live in our small town. So I was wondering, will I ever leave? What's it take to leave this town? Because if there's one thing that I was born with was this idea that I was an explorer. So I was wondering, sitting there, what would it take? What if I was just get on my bicycle at the time? You know, didn't even contemplate driving. What if I got on my bicycle and rode down to the main light in town? I say the main light. It was the only light in town. At that point, I had an opportunity to make a choice. I could turn left, turn right, go straight. I could even turn around and go the other way. But no matter which way I decided that I would turn or go, I realized that I would come to another choice point, another decision point, a, an intersection, a stop sign. And then I had a new choice to make. I could go right, go left, go forward. And I could do that, continually making choice after choice after choice, each time heading in a new direction, each time continuing on my journey. I thought about riding my bike across the Blue Water Bridge into Canada and across Canada to Niagara Falls on my way to Toronto or even to New York, getting on a ship, sailing across the ocean and starting to ride my bike again across Europe. And I wasn't sure exactly how I would do it, but I could envision myself riding my bike all across Asia and possibly up to the Bering Straits and finding my way across the Bering Straits into Alaska and then riding my bike back home. I figured I could go around the world. In fact, I could go anywhere in the world from here. And it was in that knowing that from here, anything was possible. I could go anywhere, do anything, be anything that I wanted. It just was a series of choices along the way. And many of the choices meant leaving where I was behind. Leaving the familiar and stepping in to the unknown. So, my friend, you can be, do, have anything you want. If you want it, you can have it. Norman Vincent Peale said, if it is to be, it is up to me. And if you want to be someone different, be different, have a different story, I'll leave you with the words of Shakespeare. To assume a virtue, act as if you have it not. To assume a virtue, act as if you have it not. You can create a new persona, create a way of being, and then live into it. Just act as if you've always had it. You've always been this way. As we bring this to a close, I'm assuming that there are aspects of my journey, aspects of my story that have resonated with you in some way. And if they have and you haven't yet subscribed, by all means, subscribe. If you've not yet joined our Facebook group, search out the Aligned Self Podcast Listeners Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. So when you answer the questions, how did you hear about the Facebook group you answer on the podcast? And if you think you'd like to work with me on a deeper level, a more profound level, go to yesdaniel.com. I suggest you search out my Aligned Self Coaching Program. It's a signature coaching program that distills 40 years of experience in recreating yourself creating a new identity, a self-identity that is more aligned with who you want to be. It does require an investment of time, money, energy. 
But I can tell you, assure you, that who you are on the other side of it is worth five times your investment, easily five times, as you consider the increase in income, the level of satisfaction and fulfillment that you have that will be exponential on the other side of the program. It's the most exciting thing that I offer. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner-directed, as you engage in the epic adventure.